Hey everyone, welcome to Village Church Q&A. I'm Amanda and I'm here with Pastor Michael and we have a fun question today. It's gonna be a blast. It's gonna be a blast. Um, the question is, what does the Bible say about tattoos? Speaking of hepatitis C. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just lead with that. <laughs> so can I tell you a funny story about tattoos? Yeah. yeah. So I don't have a tattoo, I wanna say that out loud, but probably I wanna give one singular reason uh, why I don't. And it goes back to my mother because all growing up, it, my mom is epically hilarious, but she would be like, Oh, Oh, if you get a tattoo, you're going to get hep C. You're totally going to get hep C. It, like just so... don't promise me, promise me you'll get, okay. If you get one, make sure you go to a really clean, reputable place because With clean needles. if you don't, you're going to get hep C. It's every mother, every mother has to go to worst case scenario right? with I their know. children. Yes. Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it could be AIDS, but probably hep C. And I'm like, oh, mom. <laughs> <laughs> like okay. Very, so yeah. anyways, um, oh, gosh. what does the Bible say about tattoos? The Bible says a lot and, um, but also very little. Mm. So it, most all of it's in the old Testament. Okay. So, um, if you go back to the Old Testament, there were stipulations and rules forbidding people to get tattoos because it was a practice of pagan religions. And so the basic premise of particularly like Leviticus was uh, don't get it because that's what the pagans do. And we don't want to do things that would confuse people and make them think that we worship false gods of the Canaanite religion particularly, right? But once you get to the New Testament, there's really nothing said about it. So what's interesting is generationally, and honestly, it's very interesting when you talk to people who often are like maybe 60, 70 years and above, their their default generational like teaching in churches, maybe in the 70s and 80s was, uh, no, the Bible says you should not get tattoos. And and really, that's all rooted in the Old Testament. And uh, one of the great gifts to every Christian, hear me, right? You're not under Old Covenant law, and you can eat bacon. So, <laughs> If you eat bacon, you can get a tattoo. If you eat bacon, you can get a tattoo. Now, I'm not advocating you should get a tattoo or right. should not. My point in saying that is we are not under Old Covenant law, which means we have a new law. So we want to look to the New Covenant, to the New Testament to see... Are there restrictions, stipulations on tattoos, body piercings, markings, etc.? It's not enough to say your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. That means really nothing practically as it pertains to tattoos, right? Mm -hmm. That's like that's one of those verses that people use, but I don't nobody knows what to do with it specifically. Can I eat Twinkies? Can I have a Diet Coke? Can I get a tattoo? You know what I mean? Like yeah. so um that's probably not the best route to go down. I think the better question for the new covenant Christian is simply this. Is it wise for me to get not just a tattoo, but this tattoo? Right. Like that's the question. So I'm not going to like pull out Leviticus and say, hey, Amanda, I know you really, really wanted that, that tattoo across your lower back. Yeah, right. right? I right. know you were dying for it. <laughs> Please you know? tell me all the yeah, things that right? it says about that. So for, for everybody watching and listening, um, here's just a couple passages that I think are helpful. Um, the one from Leviticus is in 1928. It says, you shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead. Interesting how they apply that. Or tattoo yourselves. And God's reason is very simple. He says this, I am the Lord. Basically. Because I said so. Right. Um, so, okay, if you're an Old Covenant Jew, then no tattoos. Isaiah 49, 16, though, says this. Behold, this is Yahweh talking about his people. He says, I have engraved you, tattoo, on the palm of my hands. And and it seems, not this is metaphor, so when you meet God face to face, I doubt your name will be tattooed on his hands. Yeah. This is a, 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 what do you call it? A metaphor? Yeah. Um, a 
there's a word for like a symbol. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, is, what is it? It's a figure of speech. Okay. Figure of speech. <laughs> We're like, there. We got it. I'm here, guys. Okay. So figure of speech. And um, and then in Revelation, Jesus seems to have a tattoo on his leg, on his thigh. And it's interesting. If God hated it, if it was essentially immoral, then there wouldn't be passages where God kind of like alludes to metaphorically that he Okay. Has go a back tattoo. to that. What are you talking about? Jesus. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Uh, from his mouth came a, came a sharp, comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has a name written King of Kings and Lord hmm. of Lords. That is interesting. And in this context, they didn't have like, they, they weren't thinking in terms of like, like he doesn't have permanent marker. You right. Know, this is, this is tattoo link. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, it, there wouldn't even be illusions like this if it was inherently evil. Right. And I, I, I know that there are some pastors out there that are like, no, no tattoos, don't get them. They <laughs> yeah. don't have them. And then there are some churches that you walk in and you're like, even the like, pastor. You are a tattoo. Yeah, right. And it's, <laughs> but I think that's also the beauty of like the freedom that we have in Christ, yeah, totally. that like we're not condemned no. um, and that this is an inherent sin and that yep. you don't have to be worried. And, and that generational thing yeah. where like my grandparents thought differently than my parents do. My parents think differently than we do. It just, you yeah. know, like. Which, which shows you how every generation needs to be aware of how our current culture mm-hmm. predisposes our interpretations yes. and applications of scripture. Yeah. Cause it's not always losing something good. Sometimes totally. it's clarity about something that was not so clear. Yeah. There's an easy breakdown here. You have everything in scripture can, everything in earth can break down to a bad thing or a neutral thing or a good thing. Most of the things we fight about are neutral things, and neutral things can be used for great good or great evil. Right, like money. Like money. Money's neutral. It has no inherent goodness or badness to it. It's a tool. Um, Alcohol, it's a very interesting one, Mm. because if you talk to Christians 100 years ago, they would say, no, inherently evil. Then why is Jesus first miracle wine? Yeah, drinking wine. And so it's one of those things that can be used for great good or great evil. It's a neutral thing. Tattoos are a fundamentally neutral thing. Yeah. It can be used for good. It can be used for evil. And this is why we come back and we say, beware of your culture. And the real question is, is this the the wise thing? Is this tattoo the wise thing to do right now? Yeah. In this place at this time. So provide a little bit of clarity for the parents out there that have older children that are living mm-hmm. in their household. They want tattoos. Yeah. What do they say when their kids come to them? <laughs> or don't or show up with one. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, I have a stump speech. Okay. And I'll give you the main points of my stump speech. Okay. Uh, if I'm talking to the, the child or if I'm talking to the parent, right, I have the same kind of two cents for them. And my, my values in this are going to grind American cultural values. Okay. Okay. Uh, so in America, here's, here's a, I'm going to say just very bluntly, a stupid idea. Well, he's 18. Can't control him. What? Allowed to vote. He can He's vote. He's an adult. He can vote. You know, like, yeah. when, I, when I hear parents say that, what, what I hear is, so you're just throwing away your responsibility and authority as their parents? You're going to, oh, they're in your home, but now because they're 18, they can do whatever they want with whoever they want, whenever they want. Magically, like, you get to subsidize an entire life for them. And, well, they're 18, so they can do it. So, all right. Yeah. My point is, that is an inherently American value that has infiltrated the church. And what I want to look at moms and dads and say is something very different. You are their spiritual authority. You are their mom and dad. And as long as they live in your house, you have all the leverage in the world. Use it. Use yeah. it. 
for yeah. their good. Yeah. So, uh, big picture. If, I, if the child's 18, 19, 20, and they're living under my roof, let's say they're even at college and their entire life is subsidized by my money. Um, what I want to do with that child is say, listen, I am spiritually responsible for you. You live under my authority. Even if, I'm, even if you're at college and I'm paying for your life, you're still under my authority. Here's how you can get out of my authority. Move out and subsidize your life. Yeah. So this idea that somebody, I mean, just think about the notion of this, that somebody wants me to pay for every part of their life, their insurance, their food, their doctor's bills, their clothes, their school, their education, all their fun stuff, et cetera. And then they want to do things that might violate my conscience. I'm sorry. Like I'm not paying for that. I'm not paying for that. I'm actually not here to subsidize a life that is going to be in rebellion against God or who is going to buck what I am personally comfortable with. So that is a notion that most parents have abandoned. And I want to just re-empower parents and say, I think we need to change the terms of the, of the conversation. Now, personally, uh, if I'm dealing with an 18 or 19 year old, I want to say a couple things. Yep. One, if you want your parents to subsidize your entire life, get their approval because chances are the money that you're using to spend on this is theirs. And even if you worked for it, they're paying for so many things in your life that really they're actually paying for it anyways. Yeah. Like they're, they're paying for your, your house or your apartment. The most apartment, expensive things. Right. I mean, and yeah. like you're going to take, you know, the money you, I mean, let's be honest, they're paying for it. Right. Um, honor their authority, honor the fact that they are subsidizing your entire life. Um, honor the fact that you bear their name. And if you're going to live under their authority, then just have the conversation, be open and honest, right? Um, if they say no, if they say not yet, okay, well, you have a couple options. Wait, that's fine. Um, or you can move out. You know, like those are, those are like legit options. Now, am I encouraging that? No, I think moms and dads should be patient and I think kids should be like respectful. I think there should be a much better dialogue than happens. In most yeah. homes. But I want to look at the kid. And I'm going to say this. I know you're going to say something. But yep. I, no, go ahead. Maybe you'll say it. It is a scientific fact that a 18, 19, 20-year-old's frontal lobe is not developed, which means their ability to count the cost of their current day decisions for the future is limited. Mm -hmm. So I would look at anybody and say, even if it's this amazing scripture, there is a person called future you. And future you cares greatly about the decisions that today you makes. The problem is today you, for many young people, your brain isn't even developed yet enough to consider future you. Yeah. So like once you hit 24 or 25 years old and this part of your brain's developed, you know what we start thinking about? I think about future me. Yeah. Is he going to be proud of this? If future me could go back in time and talk to me today, what would he tell me? Mm -hmm. But today me, until my frontal lobe is developed, has this really like crazy knack to ignore future me. Yeah, because you don't know what kind of job yep. God is going to lead you to. And yep. it unfortunately may have a negative impact yep. on what jobs you could get. Totally. And I think because you said it kind of is like a neutral thing. Mm -hmm. But then if my younger child came or older child and asked if they wanted one, you kind of had like a negative response yeah. to that. That is because their you know, brains are not fully developed and they wouldn't want you wouldn't want anything. Right. to hinder yeah. whatever pathway God has for them yeah. in the future. As a parent, I've devoted my entire life to setting you up for success. And when a child makes a decision without the brain ability to really quantify the full scope of this decision, the domino effect that will happen, as a parent, I'm like, I just spent 19 years paying for you and investing in your life to give you the greatest, most optimal chance of success. And I just need you to trust me, you know? Yeah. Now, I get it. Some parents, like, 
they're just sticklers and they don't listen and they're stubborn. And I get that. And you might need a third party to come in and just help you have a healthy dialogue. And that's, that's fine. But doggone it. It's like, we want their, we want all their money, but we don't want their opinion. Yeah. We don't, we want all of their resources, but we don't want their authority. Yeah. And it's, it's a tricky thing. So I think kids, young men and women should be super respectful. Parents should be thoroughly biblical and reasonable. Listening to the hearts of their children. And I think that always something that is going to last so long and impact so many years ahead, taking that decision really slow and being like, let's see how you feel about this in a year. Yep. Yep. There's there's this really funny comedian and he's got all neck tattoos. And his first line is, yep, I know it was a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) You're looking at me and I don't need you to judge me. (laughs) That's like his opening line. It was so funny. I was like, oh yeah, you know. Okay, good. But it was like all he's like, I know it's not a good idea. Hey, if somebody ever says you get a face tattoo, the answer is no, don't don't get a face tattoo. Oh, and and that is another a way you could go about it is just talking to people who ha- do have tattoos yeah, totally. and just like getting wisdom from them and yep. just being like, what, what could be a good option or what yep. did you regret and what did you not regret? Totally. Whatever you do, whether you eat, whether you drink, whether you get a tattoo, do it all to the glory of God. But if you're going to do it to the glory of God, it means you also need to be submissive to the authorities in your life. And that's hard, uh, but that'd be my encouragement. That's so, great. Yeah. All right. Awesome. I am so glad we got to go over that. I'm yeah. going to stick that in the back pocket yeah, when my kids get a little bit older. Yes. Submit Next- to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Listen to this podcast. Pepsi. Pepsi. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's what I got from yeah, it. I know, right? Thank you, Mary Fuel. <laughs> Appreciate that. Oh, awesome. Okay. Next time, our question that we are going to be answering is what does the Bible say about infant baptism? 